0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Romans 5:17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. We thank You for the anointing upon Your Word and upon our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open. I thank You for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the Gospel in demonstration of the Spirit and power. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if by one man's offense death reigned by one. I like those two words much more, don't you? Much more than what? Well, much more than death reigned by Adam. We, which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one. Christ Jesus. This is our second teaching. Last week we started teaching the attitude of our hearts. And we just want to pick up where we left off and continue. And I want you to notice... That according to this precious scripture, God our Father wants all of His children to reign as kings in the realm of life. God our Father wants all of His children. All of His children. Are you a child of God? Have you been born again? Have you been washed in the blood? You have eternal life? Well, then He wants you to reign in the realm of life as a king. You see that? By Jesus Christ. Much more. Much more. I mean, death sees the sovereignty and just reigns. Over mankind. Death just lorded it over mankind. After the fall. Isn't that true? Well, much more. Much more than that. God, our Father, wants all of His children to reign as kings in the realm of life by Jesus Christ. You know what a king is? It's a ruler. One who reigns in his own domain. One who has a kingdom where he is king. He has supreme authority. Glory to God. See, God wants us to reign over sin. God wants us to reign over sickness. God wants us to reign over poverty. God wants us to reign over tests, over trials, over situations, over circumstances. God wants us to exercise authority over all the powers of darkness, demon spirits, devils, and death itself. God wants us, through Jesus Christ, to reign as kings in the realm of light. He doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to reign as kings. See, beloved, God never made man to be a slave to anybody or anything. He did not make us to be ruled over, but He made us to rule over. The Bible says that when He created man, He created man in His own image And in his own likeness created he them. Then it says he crowned him with glory and with honor. Kings need to be crowned, don't they? He crowned him with glory and with honor. He gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. And then he charged him to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over all the earth The sea, the fowls of the air, and everything that's in it. Can you imagine that? Everything. Replenish this earth, multiply, and subdue it. Just take a look at another scripture back there in Psalm 8. Psalms 8. In other words, if language means anything, and I believe that it does, what he's saying to us is that man was given complete authority over all the earth, over all the works of his hands, And he was given complete authority to reign as a king in the realm of life. Everything was subject unto man. That means man was the God of this world, small g. He ruled over this earth. Let's look at the scripture in Psalm 8. Psalms 8. Let's begin in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And that Greek or Hebrew word there is Elohim. Elohim, same word that's in the beginning God created. The word God there created is Elohim. In other words, He made him a little bit lower than God. And has crowned him. Crowned him. Crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion. You made man to have dominion. Dominion over what? Over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Wow. In other words, when God created man, he had this in mind. I will make you to be the ruler over all that I have created. I will give you complete authority to control the circumstances of your life, I will give you the right to rule and to reign as a king in the realm of life. And if there's anything, anything that endeavors to come into your domain, I give you the right and the authority to use the power that I've given you to cast it out. And to keep it from you. That's dominion. That's authority. That's reigning as a king in the realm of life. Well, it doesn't, doesn't take us long to find out that man lost that authority. He lost that dominion. I mean, you just read the Bible and you find out that man fell from that place of dominion. Now, although that dominion was lost, man did not lose The desire to regain that dominion. Please listen. Man lost his dominion. Especially you young people out there. Listen. Man lost his dominion, his authority, when he fell. But he did not lose the desire to regain that dominion, to regain that authority. See, man hates death. Man hates disease. He hates failure. Man dreams of immortality. He dreams of a superhuman being, a superman, a wonder woman, a mighty mouse. What makes him dream up these things? What makes him put together these movies that portray a superhuman hero? What moves him on the inside and motivates him to seek this place of rulership and authority? He doesn't want to lose. He doesn't want to have failure. He doesn't want to die. Anybody out there want to die? Come on, raise your hand up. I mean, you got up this morning and said, my earnest desire today is to die. Come on. Now, you might be sitting out there saying, well, I wish I were dead. But you'd be just like Elijah under the juniper tree. If you wanted to be dead, you'd have stayed where Jezebel could have cut your head off. He didn't really want to die. He was just talking like that because he's depressed. Right? Man does not want to be a failure. He does not want to lose out. He does not want to be defeated. You know, this desire, you young people, listen. This desire has motivated him to, first of all, get involved in religion. Religion is born out of that desire. That desire has given birth to witchcraft, sorcery, magical arts, the occult, divination, That desire has given birth to all the sciences of the day. Even medical science. What are they looking for in medical science? A way to overcome. A way to be victorious over death and disease. A way to prolong life upon this earth. Man does not want to die. Man does not want to lose. Man does not want to be defeated. He fears disease and death. Something on the inside says, keep on going. You're going to overcome. Keep on going. That earnest desire has given birth even to cannibalism. You know, we think of cannibalism and we don't have any understanding. We don't know where they're coming from. Beloved, do you know where cannibalism came from? People actually thought if I could eat enough flesh, human flesh, and drink enough human blood, that by eating human flesh and drinking human blood, I would then become a God. If I had enough of it in me, somehow I could have union with deity. Do you see that? That's what they believe. If I could get enough of that blood, if I could get enough of that flesh, it'll cause me to be immortal. That's their goal. They were not far off. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 6. They were not far off. The Bible teaches us in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of the same chapter says, And the Word was made flesh. Doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, notice this. Verse 53. Well, back up to verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 52, John 6. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Cannibalism. That's what they're thinking. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, most solemnly I swear unto you and tell you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. They thought that by literally eating human flesh and drinking human blood, they would be associated with deity. They would be united together with deity. They wanted to get to a place of immortality, a place of reigning and ruling in life by the gods. And they thought this was the way it would be done. And they sincerely thought that. And they were not far off. Verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. Now, we don't believe in cannibalism, do we? But we believe in the spiritual significance of the Lord's Supper. It's a spiritual truth that He's conveying to us. And He's saying we are actually eating of His flesh and drinking of His blood, so consequently His life, which is the life of God in union with man, is actually Entering in to our spirits. Beloved, we received more than the forgiveness of sins when we were saved. We received more than having our sins remitted. We received union with deity. Now, the sad thing about this, you preach this in most Christian churches, and you know what they think? You're an extremist. You go find someone who practiced cannibalism and you say, I found out the right flesh and I found out the right blood. It'll unite you with deity and they'll say, I'm ready. That's why sometimes I think it's easier to tell those that are without than to tell those that are within. I mean to tell you. I mean that. We received union with deity. Deity. You're in there in John. Go over to John's Gospel, chapter 14. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father. Nobody has a problem with that in Christian circles. I am in my Father. And ye in me. And I in you. Beloved, that's union. That is union with deity. The born-again believer has actually become united with God. We are in union with God. We have the very life and the nature of God. We have His blood flowing through our veins. We are hooked up with the Divine One who has created all things. We have been placed back into a position whereby, as God intended in the beginning, we, through Jesus Christ, can reign in life as kings and exercise dominion over all the works of His hands. Did Jesus not say, That which I do, ye shall do also, because I'm going to my Father? Marvel not at these things, but I'm telling you of the truth. All that you've seen me do, you shall do also, because I'm going to the Father, and the Comforter will come and impart my life unto you. And what he's saying, beloved, is we can do the identical things that Jesus did when He walked on the earth, because His life is in us. Union with deity. Did Jesus not rule and reign over the circumstances of life? Did Jesus not reign and lord it over disease and death? Did Jesus not reign over circumstances and situations when they're about to stone him and, and cast him out and stone him and kill him? Didn't Jesus walk in the midst of them without being harmed by them? Sure. Jesus exercised dominion over the sea. He said, peace be still. Storms coming your way in life? We have dominion, beloved. And we can exercise dominion over the storms of life and say, peace, be still, and there'll come a calm to your life. If we're not ruling and reigning in life by Jesus Christ, it's only because we've not understood who we are. We've not understood what we have. We've not understood the new birth. We've not understood the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We don't reign in life by going from church to church, beloved. We reign in life by heralding the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that we're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Knowing we're in union with deity. Knowing we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Knowing that God has given us dominion over all the works of His hands. Knowing that devils are subject unto us in the name of Jesus and circumstances must bow their knee unto us in the name of Jesus. That's how we reign in life as a king. By Jesus Christ. Now, how are you going to do it? Well, let's go on back to 1 Kings. Now, you say, why are we going back there? Well, if we're going to reign as a king, we better find out what the king did. Amen? And the king that we were talking about was King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. If we believers are going to reign in this life as a king in the realm of life, it's going to be by Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, we we quote those things and they sound so good. King of kings. Well, he's the king, but who are the kings? We are the kings. Well, what are kings supposed to be doing? Reigning. I like to have every male just to stand up. Stand up. You are a king in the realm of life. God has crowned you with glory and with honor. God has given you dominion over all the works of His hands. And He said unto you, subdue the earth. Lord it over everything and anything that is foreign to my nature and to my kingdom. And when things come your way that are contrary to what I've spoken in my word you reign as a king with the scepter of righteousness and you tell sin to bow its knee. When disease comes and tries to destroy your life or the life of your little ones, you use the name of Jesus and as a king of the Most High God, you rule and reign over that disease and tell it to go where it came from it will not destroy your lives. It must bow its knee. You are a king. Poverty is not in the plan of God for His children, which we're going to see that here in a minute. But if you think you're going to sit back and wait for God to do something about your finances, you might as well forget about it because God's done all He's going to do. Lift up your scepter of righteousness... You look poverty in the face and say, I lord it over you in the name of Jesus. You will not cross the threshold of my kingdom. This is my domain. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. You're a king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're a king in the realm of life. Well, how are we going to reign as a king? The only way we're going to reign as kings in the realm of life, beloved, is by having an understanding heart. Having an understanding heart. King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3 was asked of the Lord in verse 5, in Gideon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. He's king now. See, you're a king out there. He's a king. He's a young king. And he says, What do you want me to give you, Solomon? Can you imagine that? Anything you want, you're the king. You ask, and I'll give it to you. Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy according as he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and the brightness of heart with you. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king and said to David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. You know what? Men, I'm speaking all of us, but men in particular, David's a type of Christ. We're a type of Solomon. When Jesus walked this earth, He reigned as King in life. Over all circumstances. When you were born again, you became a child of God. And becoming a child of God, you became an heir to the throne. Only your father's name is not David, it's Jehovah. Jesus was king. We are king in His stead in the earth. Do you see that? He's gone back to His throne in glory. But He says, I've left you as kings in the earth. As a king, ask and it shall be given you. He told Solomon, Solomon, ask and I'll give it to you. We that are kings in this earth must follow the same footsteps of Solomon if we're going to be successful. He said in the next verse, And now, O Lord... Well, let's read verse 7 again. My God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I'm a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. When it comes to the kingdom of God, men, we don't know a whole lot about it. When it comes to reigning as a king over death, disease, and sin, and devils and demons, we don't know a whole lot about it. We could be good religious Christians. Don't get me wrong. We can go to church but we can watch death come and steal our loved ones away from us and sit back and not do anything about it. And the easiest way out is to just shed a few tears and say, well, it must have been the will of God. Oh, no. Those days are over. God don't want to hear that no more. Those days are over. He never said, Adam, I'm giving you dominion and authority, but sit back and cry if something goes wrong. He didn't do that. Beloved, those days are long gone. The body of Christ is is rising up to a place of understanding, of knowing, of knowledge, of the fact that Jesus Christ has made their in the realm of life. And they're recognizing that unless they do something about their situation, about their circumstances, about sin, about disease, about troubles and tests and trials, nothing will be done about them. They're recognizing the things of God. I need to know the power of Jesus' name. I need to know how to use that name in the power of the Spirit. I need to know the Word of God. I need to understand the plan of God. I need to walk in light of that plan. That's what they're finding out today. And they're running to and fro everywhere. Why? Because they're looking for a place where they're going to hear the unadulterated Word of God. That's why. That's what they're doing. And they're not getting it where they're at and they're trying to find a place where they're going to get fed because they're hungry for the things of God. Man is tired of being defeated in life. Man is recognizing that the only way they're going to be a su- reign supreme in this life is by the blood of Jesus. Because medical science doesn't have the answer. Because spiritualism doesn't have the answer. Because witchcraft and divination and all that stuff does not have the answer. All the sciences of the world do not have the answer. But there's an answer. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. And thy servant, Is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered, nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant. Give. In verse 9. Give. Give. Give therefore thy servant. That's what I'm asking you for. Men of God. Women of God. You ask of God. He said, ask it will be given you. You ask Him to give you what Solomon asked for. What did he ask for? An understanding heart. Oh, I have labored to teach faith. I have labored and struggled to teach God's people faith and spent hours in study to teach God's people faith. And the Spirit of God just took me to a place of understanding and it rose up within me. You can't teach them faith. They'll never understand faith if they don't have an understanding heart. They have to have an understanding heart, a heart attitude. That is open. Otherwise, I can't get it over to them. Solomon said, More than anything else, I esteem an understanding heart to be of greater value to me than wealth, honor, glory, long life, the life of my enemies. As a king, I esteem and value an understanding heart to be greater than anything else. Sounds like he asked for a foolish thing, one might say. But beloved, he asked for the greatest thing he could ask for. Every king wants honor and riches and wealth and long life and the life of his enemies to make him successful. Well, let's read on. In verse 10, And the speech pleased the Lord. Real quick, if you can go fast with me, go to, hold your place right there and find Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. We have read this Scripture and quoted this Scripture hundreds of times, but I want you to see it in this light because this will add more light. It will shed more light upon this beautiful Scripture. Paul did not pray for the kings at Colossae to be wealthy. Paul did not pray for the kings at Colossae to have long life. He did not pray for them to have honor or the life of their enemies. But in Colossians 1.9, he prayed this prayer. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Isn't that what Solomon asked for? And the next verse back there in Kings said it pleased the Lord, didn't it? Look at this next verse. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all what? Pleasing. You will never walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing without having the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. No matter how hard we want to try or how religious we may be, or how it looks from an outward appearance. Beloved, have you asked your Father for a hearing heart? For an understanding heart. To understand his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I sit here or stand here many times and I, I, I go back to first King. And and I'll say it's not God's will for you to die prematurely. And you don't know how many people come up and say, Well, I don't believe that. It's not God's will for you to be sick. Oh, now, brother, I don't believe that. It's not God's will for you to be in poverty. Oh. You could, and you could preach to them until Jesus comes. And their heads are like cement, thoroughly mixed and well set. I mean it. What should I be praying for that type of person? Father, I pray that they become filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's your only prayer. But when they get sick, you're the first one they come to to pray for them. And they'll say, see, it didn't work because I didn't get healed. And the reason why they didn't get healed is because they don't believe it in the first place. They don't believe it's the will of God. And didn't that Scripture say that you must know the knowledge of His will? If you don't believe it's God's will to heal you, if you don't believe it's God's will that you stay healthy and whole and live to be a ripe old age and go off into glory without sickness and disease in your body, you're you're not going to make it. Just because you believe that doesn't mean you experience it immediately, beloved, but I'll tell you what, you better believe it so you can experience it someday. When I go on back there, and God said in verse 11, God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and you've not asked, I like this now, you've not asked for yourself. What did he ask for? And I said, and I'll say it again, he didn't ask a magician. He didn't ask a genie out of a bottle. They said, I give you three wishes. And they'll all come true. Jehovah, God Himself, who has the ability to create things out of things that don't appear. He he said, ask me, Solomon, what you want. I'll give it to you. He could ask for a planet. God would have given it to him. But He didn't. Nobody did He ask for it? Nothing for Himself. Not a thing for Himself. He asked... Not long life for himself. He did not ask the life of his enemies that any king would want to have. He didn't ask any of those things, but he asked for himself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words, lo, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee. Now, you ready for this? Seek the kingdom of God and things will be what? Added. Well, what's God going to add to this man? He didn't ask for wealth or riches or honor. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Solomon was seeking the very heart of God. He says, I'll also give you that which you've not asked, riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto the all thy days. You know, when you seek God for the right thing, He adds to you other things. All right, that was unconditional. He says, I'm adding this to you, riches and honor. But look at the next verse. And if, if, big word, if, and if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. You ever read them papers? Crazy papers, I call them. You know them crazy papers. Want to have long life? New potion. Water from Timbuktu. Drink three glasses daily. It'll make all your hair grow back. It'll make all the wrinkles go away. It'll make you young and new again. Come on. Scientist discovers this particular pill. It'll make those wrinkles go away from your forehead. It'll make your skin baby new and fresh. Come on. But you know what? I keep preaching it from the same pulpit. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every other chance. You want to have long life? My son, forget not my laws. But let thine heart keep my commandments, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. We found the fountain of youth. Though the inward man perished, the outward man is renewed day by day. Caleb says, I'm as strong today as I was when I was 45, 40 years old. Glory to God, 45 years later, I'm ready to do battle and to do war. Glory to God, I found my strength in Him. He is my portion. He is the length of my days. He is my right hand and my, my refuge and my fortress. He is my very life. God Himself. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, even Christians fall for all that. Take a thousand and one vitamins. It'll help you. Oh, we get off onto so many bondages and, you know, and tangents. Sometimes it just amazes me. It just amazes me. Glory to God, we have a way to live long on this earth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you'll fear Him, He'll give you length of days, long life. It'll add to you. Children, you want to live long, obey your parents and the Lord. Long life is a reward of obedience, not just faith. I've said that, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to say it again. Long life is a reward of obedience to the will of God for your life. If you don't obey God, I don't care how much faith you have. You're not going to believe yourself out of death. Well, I need to say that again. If you're disobedient to the plan, purpose, and will of God for your life, I don't care how much faith you have, you will not believe yourself out of death. Solomon was given that promise at the age of 20 he reigned as king for 40 years and died prematurely at the age of 60. But God said to Solomon, if you will obey me, if you'll keep my statutes and judgments and commandments, I'll give you a long life. But he didn't do it. He got involved with other wives, foreign wives, strange wives, the Bible says. And it turned his what heart from the Lord. You know that heart he started out with right there? it was turned and when your heart is turned from from the Lord and it's hardened beloved God's not obligated to keep that promise because it was conditional based upon your obedience do you see that children obey your parents and the Lord I'll tell you what if I was a young child about 12 13 14 you know what I'd get on I'd get on that scripture and I'd bring it before God every day I'd say father you know you got to counsel with young young people Young people, i give you one counseling lesson right this morning. Do you want to live long on this earth? Teenagers, do you want to live long on this earth? Do you want well days? Well days are healthy days. Do you want long days? That's long life. On, on this earth, do you? Sure you do. God gave you the, the formula. He gave you the way to have it. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Is that what it said? It did not say, children, take 1,400 vitamins a day. Children, eat a proper diet. Children, work out, exercise. Children, dress warmly in winter. It didn't say that. What did it say? Children, have great faith that you may live long. It didn't say that, did it? said, children, obey. Children, obey. God rewards obedience with long life. Can you say amen? God rewards obedience with long life. Clap your hands, all you people. I wouldn't clap my hands in the congregation of the people for anything in the world. God rewards obedience. Sing unto the Lord with a loud voice. Lift up your voice in the congregation of the people and shout praises unto your God. I wouldn't do that for anything in the world. But you know, I'm just so sick. Would you come and pray for? Your faith's not going to believe you out of your death. And my faith certainly isn't. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and everybody heard them. <laughs> Glory. And God was there. Long life is a reward of obedience. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. You people worship and praise too much. I'm not coming at 6.30. I'm coming at 7. I don't care how many voted to come at 6.30. I will not walk in those doors before 7 o'clock. Oh, brother pastor, will you pray for me? I don't feel well. (laughs) Hold on. You complained about 6.30? Why we're off on this? I don't know. And surely, I've not been here 9.30 on a Sunday morning ever since it was changed from 10.30. No, I'll be here quarter to no earlier. You want to go to nugget. God does not reward you according to what you do. God rewards you according to the attitude in which you do it. I pay my tithes. Do you? And you've got four board members dragging you through the door to get them in. I leave tips after someone kicks you in the shins four times. I wouldn't give that person an offering. I'll tell you what, I would never give that person an offering. Oh my, did you hear how they sang that song? I don't like it. I don't like the tie that they're wearing. I wouldn't give them an offering for anything in the world. See, beloved, God does not reward us according to what we do. He rewards us according to our attitude, the attitude in which we do it. Do you think I like preaching two services on a Sunday morning for a year done in the other church starting at 8.30 in the morning? You know bother me. What's the difference? I'm, I start at 6.30 anyhow. It doesn't matter to me. And it doesn't matter to me if we go until 11 o'clock at night. I want to show you something over here. This, this fella got rich. Did you know that? I don't just mean he was well off. The Queen of Sheba came and just dropped 19.5 million one day. can you imagine that go to matthew chapter 6 i'm going to show you something here's a secret anybody here want long life <laughs> What time does the service start next Sunday night? (laughs) Huh? That's what I thought. You say, how could that do anything to me? Beloved, it'll turn your heart away from God. You become critical about what's going on, it'll turn your heart away from God just like that. I mean that. It'll turn your heart. Those women turned his heart away like that. Right away from God got back to doing his own thing. Matthew chapter 6. When I shared two things with you last week, and I just want to just say them again and then go, go a little bit further. I said that when I first was saved, I asked the Lord for wisdom and knowledge. And my exact words were, if you'll teach me your word, I will devote and dedicate my life to teaching your people how to live by faith. Those were my very words. I didn't say I want to learn your word so I can get wealthy. I didn't say I want to learn your word so we could enjoy all the blessings. I didn't have an arrogant attitude like many, many, many have, too many have as far as I'm concerned, the body of Christ, so that I could show who I am for honor. Or I can prove you wrong. I never had that attitude. When I studied healing, I didn't study healing to prove you wrong or somebody else wrong. I say you, not you. I mean people. Never was the attitude of my heart. My hard attitude for studying healing in the Bible was because I found out that my Savior died for my healing and I was concerned about His blood that it would not be shed in vain. That's why I studied it. And if someone walks up to me and says, I can prove you're wrong, this isn't right. I just sit back and say, oh, my Father give me an understanding heart. Don't you know you're talking about the blood of your Savior when you say that? Oh, God doesn't want to help you in your time of need. He puts you through all these troubles. Don't you know Jesus said, Father, protect them from evil in this world? And shed His blood and sealed His blood on that covenant so He would? I'm not trying to prove anybody right or wrong. I'm just trying to justify what Jesus has done in my life. I'm just trying to let His blood be effective in my life. Can you say amen? Amen. And I'm not concerned about what anybody else believes because I'm not trying to prove you're wrong. I'll tell you, if you come up to me and say, look, I'm going to prove this or I'm going to prove that. Beloved, let me say something to you. You won't argue with me about it because the Bible says avoid stripes and, and questions that gender stripes. I'm not concerned about it. You're entitled to believe what you want. If you believe God breaks your leg, you can. If you believe he makes you sick, you can. If you believe that you don't have power over sin, you can believe that if you want. You believe the rapture is pre, post, mid-trip. It doesn't matter to me. You, believe, you can believe anything you want. Only one that's going to affect is you. It's not going to affect me. Do you see that? I'm not here to debate the Word of God. I'm here to humble myself before God so that He can pour into my spirit all that He is, all that He ever will be. And we together can enter into a realm of reigning as kings in this life by Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Amen. And I believe that you're all here because you want to learn how to reign as a king. I believe that you're here because the Spirit of God brought you here because you have the same desire and the same motive in your heart. You're tired of the devil treading on your territory. You're tired of disease coming and stealing away your children and your loved ones. You're tired of poverty coming and knocking on your door everywhere you turn around and your inability to pay your bills. You're tired of the devil reigning on your parade. So you just stood up and said, I am going to find out what God's Word says. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to take the name of Jesus and break the power of the devil and stop all over the works of the devil and be victorious in this life for Jesus Christ. And that's why you're here. I believe that. Go over to God in Matthew 6 verse 1. Jesus, throughout this entire chapter, is talking about an attitude. My attitude was to learn the Word not for, for any wrong reason but to be a blessing to somebody else. And that was the only reason why I asked. And beloved, I, I shared last week, I asked for a wife. I've had people come to me and say, how am I going to ask for a wife? Well, I heard so-and-so preacher, a faith preacher said, write down, number one, blonde hair. Number two, blue eyes. Number, number three, you know, and I mean, I'll stop right there. And I heard it that way. That's the way he preaches it, brother. You're just, I thought you was a man of faith. I am if you esteem and value blonde hair, blue eyes, and a nice figure more than fidelity, you can have all the outward appearance. I said, Father, I want a wife who will be faithful to me all the days of my life. And you know what? The beauty came along with it. The talents came along with it. I asked for the right thing. You know what he gave me? I've added unto you a beautiful wife with brown hair, with brown eyes, with talents unlimited. Who makes the best pumpkin pie you ever tasted? <laughs> glory to God, hallelujah. I mean, he takes care of you, glory. Amen. It was no accident. She makes good pumpkin pie. (laughs) Or ham loaves, you know. Amen. See, people want to get from God, but they're going about it the wrong way. The wrong way. And and we're going to get to verse 1 here right now. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Real quick, you might as well write this down. I know we're going to get all this in. Number one, he's talking about giving. Number two, he's talking about praying. Number three, he's talking about fasting. Number four, he's talking about living. Giving, praying, fasting, and living. This entire chapter. Giving, praying, fasting, living. Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of men. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. That's giving, isn't it? Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Do you see that? People give and they go up bragging about it. I gave a thousand dollars to this. Don't do your alms before men. He, because even though you did it, you got your reward in earth right now. People said, oh, patted you on the back. Said, "Well, oh, you're a good giver. Isn't that great? You've lost all your reward from God. He doesn't reward us according to what we've done or what we've given. He, re- he rewards us according to the attitude in which we gave. And then it goes on in uh, verse 3 and 4. But when thou doest... Alms, let not thy left hand know what thy, thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, that thy father which seeth in secret himself, himself, himself shall reward you openly. If you find someone who is openly being rewarded by the Lord, it's not because he's stingy or greedy, but it's because secretly he's giving his alms. Do you see that? Then he goes on to talk about prayer. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Isn't that what the Bible says? No notice this. But when you pray, enter your closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward. Shall reward. See, you're going to get a reward, not by what you did, not because you prayed, but because you prayed in secret. Not because you gave, but because you gave in secret. Do you see that? And there are those that say, I gave this and I gave that and they didn't get anything back. That's why. Now go over here to verse 16. And he's talking about fasting. He's talking about an attitude now, beloved. An attitude of the heart. The kingdom of God is in our heart. An understanding heart. An attitude about us. Look at verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee how? Every time you hear somebody say it. Now, please listen. Someone comes along and announces, we're going on a week fast. Want to join us? You might as well starve yourself. I mean, you might as well starve yourself. They announce it and broadcast it. Now, if you're talking about a public fast where all of us, I, I say, look, we're going to come and fast and pray on Thursday night for a particular thing. But I mean, if you go off and start telling everybody, we're fasting and praying. I mean, there are even some big ministries. They go off and say, well, we're going to spend this time in fasting. And everybody knows they're fasting. You might as well forget it. There's no reward in that. There's you do it in secret. It's the attitude of the heart. It's our hard attitude. It's not because we fast. It's the attitude in which we did fast. And when we fast according to the Word, in secret, what's our Father do? Rewards us openly. You say, what's all this got to do with Solomon? Keep going. Then he talks about living in verse 19. Lay not for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust us corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Solomon asked for the right kind of a heart, didn't he? Well, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Did Solomon ask for riches? Did he ask for wealth? Did he ask for honor? Did he ask for glory of men? None of that he asked for. He asked for a heart of understanding. Let's go on. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body is full of light. If the eye be evil, then the whole body shall be full of darkness. If the light in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. You're going to either hate the one and love the other or else you're going to hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and riches. You can't serve both God and riches. So He says, Therefore, Jesus says unto us, Don't take any thought for your life, what you're going to eat or drink, what you're going to, for your body, what you're going to put on, isn't the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, they gather in the barns, but your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, torn out, they tore not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon, even who? Even who? Who? Solomon, this whole chapter is talking about the heart of Solomon in the beginning. Jesus is saying you cannot set your affection on things and do things with the wrong attitude and expect a reward from God. Well, brother, so-and-so gave away his car, so I'm going to give away mine. And that's what people do in the faith walk, thinking they're going to get a car back. And they don't get a car back. They ride their bicycle. Well, so-and-so gave this money away that was supposed to be for a bill. And the Lord gave him twice as much money back. So I did it. And the bill collector was knocking on your door. See, it's the attitude in which we do, with which we do things, beloved. Beloved. Solomon, he said, in all his glory was not a like such as one of these. Let's read the rest of that and then I'll close it here. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is tomorrow's cast in the heavens, shall He not much more clothe you, you little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? After all these things of Gentile seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, beloved, he's talking about the attitude that Solomon had. He's talking about this. As I added to Solomon all those things. Do you see this? Why do you think he said Solomon? Solomon's a king you ready for this? God wants us to reign as kings in the realm of life over death, over disease, over poverty. But He wants us to do it with a right heart attitude, seeking His kingdom, and if need be, give up everything in this life. Focusing only on the Word. Focusing on the heart of God. Seek the very heart of the Father. Seek the wisdom of God. Seek the knowledge of God. Seek the understanding of God. Just seek God. Be so intent and caught up in seeking God and His Word, His love, His attitude of heart. And as you're doing that, He says, I'll add to you. I'll add to you. All the things you need to live in this life, I'll add as I added unto Solomon. And if you will obey Me, I'll give you a long life. It might cost you all that you possess in this life to find the wisdom of God. Did you know that? Now, here's what I want to get into. And we're going to have to pick it up a little bit later. I'll give you just a little bit of it. When I prayed that prayer and said, Father, all I want from You is wisdom and knowledge of Your Word to devote my life to Your people to teach them faith. I did not know I was like that rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, What do I lack concerning eternal life? I've done all the things I'm supposed to do as a Jew. I've ob- I love God. I've obeyed my parents. I've, I've done this. I've done that. What do I lack? I sense a lacking within me. I want so much more. That's why he came to Jesus. He was serious. I lack. So, there's something empty on the inside of me. This desire that I have to do what? To rule and to reign over the circumstances of my life. Money doesn't do it. I just can't do it. What do I lack? Jesus said to that man, Sell all that you have. Didn't He ask? Didn't that man ask what he needs to do? He said, Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and follow Me. And the man got sad at that saying because he had great possessions and he walked away. But beloved, when I asked, you know what his voice said to me? Leave your job. Leave your family. Leave the house you've always wanted to live in that you've finally gotten into that you and your wife love so much. All your family. Leave the state. Go somewhere else. Leave your security. Leave your hospitalization. Leave everything you possess in this life behind and come follow me. And I looked at my wife and she said, Okay. And we did. And from that day to this, I want you... Beloved ones, to know that we have never, never, never considered anything from a materialistic standpoint in our lives. When we gave up that home, we gave it up with the belief that we'll never own a home again in our lives. When we gave up all the security of this life, we never ever knew whether again we'd ever have a bank account. Or we'd possess a penny to our credit. But we were seeking for reality with God. I say this, beloved, not, not I, I don't like talking like this, but I have to because the Lord wants me to. I have to. It's time to bring this other aspect of it out. When we came here, and you could ask any board member that was here at the time, When we came here and God already spoke to me and said you'd be the next pastor of this church. He already spoke to me in audible voice. I already knew that. It was confirmed by the people. And the vote was taken and all that. You could ask any board member. We never asked, never asked, what are you going to pay us? Those words never fell from our lips. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. When we had the board meeting and they said, talked about finances, it took me by surprise. And when I say that, I mean it took me by surprise because when they said, this is what we can do for you, is it okay? As far as we are concerned, I, I, I never thought of that. I mean to tell you, that thought did never cross my mind. Never. Not for a moment, not for a second. Who cares? If you say, we'll give you a dollar a week. Okay. That's fine. I'm not here for a dollar a week. You say, we'll give you a million dollars a week. I'm not here for that. It don't matter if you want to give me one, two, three, four, five. It doesn't matter. It never did. And it never will. And I'd go a step further. As far as I'm concerned, I'm still preaching to 35 people. I don't plan on changing. I don't plan on changing. Our heart attitude, beloved, is what determines our destiny. Our heart attitude is what determines the place God holds in our life. Be so caught up in seeking the glory of God, the heart of God, the beauty of God, the Word of God, that like Solomon, God just adds things to your life. Hallelujah! Glory to God. He adds things unto your life. Faith is no struggle then. Do you see that? Jesus said there's not a man on earth that gave up his house, his land, his property, his parents, his family, anything for my sake and the gospel, that will not receive in this life a hundredfold, lands, houses, property, and beloved, we've been blessed. Yes, even financially, we thank God. The blessings, you know, you you know that you people gave us a home, and we think we never, th- drunk, we'd owned own a home. But bless God, the greatest thing that God has ever given my wife and myself since we've come here is you. We got people out there that I can go and just say, well, I, I know you like a brother. I can depend on you like a mother, like a father. I can turn to you, do you see that, as family. You're our family. That's the greatest thing. That's the greatest thing. I'm not looking out for filthy lucre. I'm not looking out to promote myself. I'm looking out for your benefit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not looking at how I can find my faith to work out for this or that For that. Beloved, you know what? That just falls on you. That falls on you. That falls. Let's all stand. It falls on you. Oh, Father. Attitude. Attitude. We sold our, our first new home since we were saved to, sell, to pay our tithes because we considered paying our tithes of greater value to us than a new home. Some people want to say, I want to keep my home and pay my tithes. Sell what you have and give it to the poor. Let God give you another home. Pay your tithes. Some will tell you, I won't come to your church and preach unless you sign a contract to give us $2,000. I'll tell you right now, I'll come to your church and preach if you let me sleep on the bench. Attitude. Attitude. Someone said to me, there's a pastor down in so-and-so state Got a nice size church down there, something like yours. Said, what he does is got, he gets kind of busy, so what he does is just takes the phone out, changes it, unlisted number, doesn't socialize with any of the people, isolates himself and keeps himself from the people. That way, he could get more study time in and more prayer time in. If I ever become a pastor, he says, I going to be just like that. I said, you will. He said, yeah. What do you think about it? I said, I'm glad you asked. I said, Brother, a pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd tends the sheep. A shepherd is with the sheep. A shepherd lives with the sheep. He eats with the sheep. Jesus is the model shepherd. When they came to him and said, Lord, my servant is dying, sick of the palsy, he said, I will come and heal. When Jairus said, My daughter's at the point of death, what can you do? He says, I will come and I'll be there. Isn't it amazing that the great shepherd was never too busy for anybody? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And when we got done talking, he said, "I guess I won't be like that pastor." He said, "I guess I'll be like Jesus." I said, "You've heard from God." Oh yeah. Bless the Lord. Where's your heart? Well, your treasure is, there's your heart also. I value your love. I value you being part of my family more than your material goods. Amen. Amen. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Seek the heart of God. The things you need in life will be added unto you. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am.